Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode. Hopefully you listened to episode 15, which was all about how to make the best of your creative space. And this episode kind of follows on from that really, only this time we're sharing more general art tips. But we had a little break in the middle and spoke to Ko Shakuna in our last episode and she was absolutely fantastic. So if you missed that one, well, again, it's, it's well worth going back to have a listen. So uh, let's talk about the August challenges. And as always, thank you to all of you who have been sharing your work with us on social media and, of course, in the Facebook group. But the truth is we can't actually comment on the August work at all until our next episode because, once again, Tara is abandoning me in September for a holiday. So that means we're pre-recording this on the 1st of August. So we really don't know what anyone's up to at the moment. But Today is day one of the challenge for us. Tara, what are you going to be taking part in this month? Well, first of all, I apologise for going on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to be taking part in a mixture, I think, of Quick Kick August, where you draw on a non-white surface, and 31 Animals August. And I haven't drawn for a few weeks after having a bit of a slump, so I'm hoping I'm going to feel a bit more refreshed. So what about you? Well, I was going to say, just quickly, you loved doing the faces, didn't you? You loved I the did. faces. Yeah. So maybe this being animal faces would be just what you need. Yeah, well, I'm going to th- I'm thinking if I do the quick kick August, you see, I can throw in some human faces as well. Yeah, brilliant idea. So, yeah. I am doing early rise August, um, which is obviously getting up one hour earlier every day throughout the month of August. And it's a bit funny, really, because I did this before where, uh, as you know, when we first met, we were talking about this, weren't we? Um, that I had already decided to get up an hour earlier than I had been. So in theory, I'm actually getting up two hours earlier than I ever did now. <laughs> so I'm sitting here with matchsticks in my eyes. But I'm I'm tying it in um, with that. Have you ever heard of the Miracle Morning? Yeah, I think I mentioned to you, I I did it ages ago. And it's, yeah. it's like a series of things you have to do in the morning, isn't it? Well, it's, it's all about trying to make your day the most positive day um, and the most productive day that you can. So the, the idea is you do meditation and so many minutes of journaling and uh, exercise. Although I, I, I make it easy really because I dog walk anyway. So that's my exercise. And then you you listen to affirmations and all that kind of thing. And let's face it, I think some of this stuff is is quite new to us Brits, really, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely more sort of, I think, come from America, isn't it? Yeah, so we're all all a bit like, really? (laughs) But I'm I'm very open-minded. And I have said before a hundred times, I'm absolutely rubbish at meditation but I that's not your affirmation is it no no that's you're not chanting that (laughs) no 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 the affirmation one's easy actually because you record you record this um oh let me get the app quickly on my phone I'll share share the app with you tell you what it's called um I wasn't recording it I just said I just sort of said mine in my head 
Oh no, this one's called yeah. this. There's an app called Think Up, and basically you you record your affirmations, and um, then it, it plays them back to you with this really sort of chill out music. <laughs> so what I do is I do my exercise and my affirmations at the same time because I'm put my headphones on, and so I'm listening to that while I'm walking around the woods, you know, really quite quickly, so I can get my blood going and whatnot. And then I come back and um, do my this meditation thing which is um an app called headspace um and actually that's a lot better than the other one i've tried before and it's a it's a bloke who's who's sort of doing the talking and he has got the most relaxing voice i've ever heard he's it's such a nice voice but the trouble is i keep nearly falling asleep so i'm not sure if that counts because you're not really meant to fall asleep are you i don't know though because i think if it puts you in a really relaxing state i think think that's good but yeah. didn't you tell me the other day that you found yourself doing your shopping list? Yeah, I, exactly. That was with a different app, though, and it was a oh. woman, a woman's talk, a woman talking. And I don't know, I, I don't know whether maybe women's voices just aren't as relaxing. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mine certainly wouldn't be. Everyone would feel wide awake, wouldn't they? <laughs> so, so anyway, so what are your affirmations, or can't you share them? No, they're private. <laughs> Sorry, all right. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't even remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Them going round and round in my head. One of them is what I will make more time for my creative pursuit. I because I I get distracted so easily. <laughs> I was going to say, is one of your affirmations? I will be will nicer to Tara and not <laughs> Mickey Aver on the podcast. <laughs> No, that's far too much fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but I, the, the only trouble is what I will say is that I did that this morning and I'm feeling a bit too chilled, to be honest. Well, not too chilled, but I came up here today to do this podcast and I was yawning. <laughs> oh, that's not very nice, is it? So if you hear me snoring in a minute, you'll know why. But anyway, yeah, I'm doing that. And also, I'm not going to promise this because I, I don't want it to feel like a commission, but with the early uprise August, obviously it's going to give me an extra hour. I'm not using that whole hour to do all this other stuff, you know, like meditating and that. I'm yeah. just using about 20 minutes or so. But I want to use the rest of that time to have extra time in the studio every day. And I'm working on a little painting at the moment, which I'm hoping I can tie in with the... It's Reflect, isn't it? Yeah, I thought is, I picked a perfect one for yeah, you. Yeah, that was perfect for me. So, yeah, I'm hoping I can get that done this month, which would be great. <sighs> anyway, God, that was a long answer to a really short <laughs> question, wasn't it? <laughs> What's new, anyway, with you? Uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I said I might go to that workshop last time. I was, I was thinking about going to the art workshop. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't go in the end. Um, oh, this is the one where you were only going to go for an hour or something. <laughs> well, it was a whole day thing, and I was thinking about just going for the morning. But in the end, we had a wasp nest <gasps> like you did. Yes. And, which is weird because we got it in the same week, didn't we? So I think you sent yours over our way. Um, <laughs> so I basically waited in for the pest control man instead. Yeah, and and you know, I when I had our wasp nest because I've got this terrible phobia of wasps. I I'm not phobic particularly of anything flying, maybe, but actual wasps, I just can't bear them. But what you have to be careful with is it not bees? Because if it's bees, obviously you need a beekeeper, yeah. not a pest controller. And at first, yeah. we thought they were bees, so <clears throat> um, we thought we were going to have to get the beekeeper out. And what they do, they take them away free of charge. They just put the queen. They take the queen, and they 
and then all these bees follow follow the queen into whatever box he puts them in and then he takes them and puts the nest somewhere else which i think is great but yeah. wasps wasps just seek you out to try and kill you don't they so i don't like them <laughs> they won't kill you <laughs> But um, yeah, it was really weird that literally that a few days, a couple of days after mine had gone, yeah, you had one in the same place. Yeah, yeah and apparently it was the size of a rugby ball. I never went up and looked, but yeah. Mm, they grow oh, really oh, fast as well. Yeah. But, but I have done a little bit of creative stuff because I mentioned before I had, a, I had a slump because I think from sort of January to June, I was drawing pretty much every day. I missed oh. the odd few days, but then um, had a sort of bit of a break where it wasn't going that well. Um, but I have been doing a little bit of design work that we were talking about beforehand. You know, I told you about this new venture I might be doing. Yeah. So I, can't, I can't really talk too much about that. But uh, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of design, even if not a bit of art. So um, what about you? What have you been doing? Well, aside from my new morning routine, yeah. which is going so well so far on day yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Are you doing a painting of your own at the moment? Because I know you're doing the commission. Yeah, yeah that's exactly the one I was just talking about, actually. I haven't started the big one I was talking about um, yet, but I think I just went, I needed to do something that's not as stressful as a commission is um, because obviously I'm working on this commission and I'm, to be honest, I'm really not enjoying this one at the moment. So I've made a decision. I'm not doing any more at all this year. Um, We're actually going to be doing an episode, aren't we, on commissions quite soon. We've been talking about it for a while and it's never really sort of felt like the right time. Um, but really now it does because you've obviously had your fair share of um, commissions with your creative work and now I'm on one and I, it's having an effect on, well, how, how I feel. How you feel about art, isn't it? Yeah. Not art in general, but just how I feel in the studio and that there's that danger zone where yeah. I just recognise that I'm not happy in there. Yeah. But it's it's just the stress of the commission and it's funny because... Mum came round the other day for a, a visit and I had been feeling quite um, really down, actually. I hadn't taken any part in any of the July challenges because of the commission, so I wasn't getting any creative work done outside of the commission. And it was dragging me down quite a lot because I was sort of thinking, oh, I, I just, I'm losing my confidence again. I mean, I must have a confidence crisis probably a couple of times a year anyway, but this one is, oh, you know, it, it really pulls you down, doesn't it? And um she had a cup of tea and I sort of said to mum about it and she said, well, you've been here before. And, do you know, it was it was the right thing to say at the right time because the minute she said it, I just thought, oh, yeah, of course I have. You're so it's right. Normal. And yeah. I always get over it. But sometimes you just need someone to remind you of that. And she just happened to say it at the right moment. And the next day I was out there photographing, uh, and you know, a new setup for a possible setup I haven't started yet. Um, I'd started another painting, which I'm working on. So I've got these other things going on alongside the commission. And I've, I've told the person I'm doing the commission for, I've explained I need to take a couple of weeks away from it, turn it against the wall and look again with fresh eyes. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's basically, I think, why we kind of said didn't we let's do this episode on on commissions at some point yeah while it's fresh and there's plenty of good things about commissions as well it's not all going to be doom and gloom yeah clash (laughs) yeah well yeah no i think there's other good reasons really yeah there is but um there's definitely times i think when you need to say no so we'll we'll look at that but that's a whole new episode that's a different episode um but meanwhile our last non-interview episode was all about how to make the best of your creative space and we decided to follow that with an episode on sort of more general art tips so what goes on inside the studio 
Yeah, so we asked on our social media platforms if anyone had any tips. So we're going to be reading some of those out as well. And we're not we're not going to list these in any particular order, are we? Um, but I thought we would start with the most important things like using art materials safely, particularly oils. Yeah, because you mentioned last the, the last episode about oils and the certain brands are safer than others. So tell us which ones are healthier and better to use. Well, <clears throat> okay, so I use a brand called Gamblin, and that's G-A-M-B-L-I-N. Um, Gamblin are dedicated to make uh, to making oil painting a much safer practice than it has been in the past, and they've made it possible now to paint without the exposure to strong solvents, without compromising any of the qualities of oil paints. And in fact, I find their pigments and paints far superior to a lot of other top brands I've used in the past. When I first started um, oil painting, being that I'm such a wimp when it comes to being cold, I'd rarely work um, with the windows open at all. And generally the heaters would be on. And actually over time, I did find myself worrying about the amount of fumes I was breathing in. And I did feel like it might be having an effect on my, my health. And I think the main problem was with, with the solvents. They were so strong and so stinky. And every time I finished a session, I almost always had a headache. So then I went on to the odorless variety, but actually, rather than making the environment safer, I was actually making things worse because although I couldn't smell the solvent, it was still evaporating into the air and I was still breathing it in. Um, And the fact is that just because I wasn't able to smell it, it, it just made me less aware of just how much I was breathing in. So to be honest, it's actually more dangerous, I think, than using the stinky variety. Anyway, one day I heard about Gamblin and it changed absolutely everything. Their solvent is called Gamsol. Um, And not only is it odourless, but it doesn't evaporate into the air either. So you're not breathing in any fumes and neither does your studio stink. They're really, really aware of the ingredients they put into their paints and they're making oil painting in general a much safer process but um, not only that they're really environmentally friendly as well they think an awful lot about their manufacturing process and even the excess pigment dust from their factory they collect and rather than disposing of it they they use it to make this random gray I can't remember what it's called now I think it might be toric gray or something yeah. and anyway yeah and you and it's always different every time you buy it's different um, they actually sent me a free sample of it the other day um, but yeah, it's just a collection of whatever dust they have in their air. They all get get sucked into this That's bag, terrible. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and then they make a, just a random pigment, which is great. Um, but anyway, after I heard about gambling, every time I ran out of a particular paint colour or medium, I'd replace it with a gambling one. And now virtually everything I have is a gambling product. And I can honestly say that when you walk into my studio, you wouldn't know that I paint in there by the smell. It just doesn't smell any different to any other room in my house or um, anywhere else. But I think the most important difference is how I feel after a few hours of painting. Because like I said, I used to get headaches and feel really crappy basically after a session but now I don't feel that way at all I feel no different after painting for a few hours than I do after drawing um I should point out by the way I'm not affiliated with them in any way but I did want to share that tip with any oil painters out there who might not have heard of them before and and by the way I should also say that they are an American company so as far as I'm aware I've never seen their products in um, an average art store in the UK but Jackson's Art Supplies sell them and that's where I get most of my art supplies from anyway. So are they a lot dearer than um, most oil paints? 
Not really. I think it balances out, to be honest. I haven't found that. Um, Gamsol isn't the cheapest thing in the world, but it's it's so worth it. It's so worth it. I was thinking, actually, I might I might contact the gambling guys who set up that company because I've heard them, I think, before on a podcast in the past, and it was so interesting finding out about, you know, all their processes. So perhaps we could interview them. Yeah. Um, I was going to say as well, because you wrote a post about this, didn't you? So if anyone oh. wants to know a bit more, there's a blog post somewhere on our website, kickingthecrazies.com. So if you have a search, you'll be able to find that. And I think you've just listed out the type of things you've used there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so whatever brand you use, it's still dangerous, obviously, if you accidentally drink it, which is so easy to do. Now, I don't use oil paints, but, you know, I've used done it with watercolours, which is obviously not quite so bad. But there you are, you know, you've got this cup of tea next to your water pot. Pick up the wrong one or dunk the brush in the wrong one. So you've got to be really careful with that. Maybe put it on opposite sides of you or use a jar or something so that, you know, if you go to put it near your mouth, you can obviously feel that that's different. Or even just cover it and you could just stick a bit of tin foil over it with just a hole that's big enough to get your brush in, something like that. Anything that just stops you drinking the one wrong one, really. Yeah, that's so easy to do, isn't it? And if it's Terps or something like oh, that, yeah. that's really not so good. dodgy. Have you ever actually taken a sip of Terps? No, no, I haven't. I, I haven't done that, actually. What I did do once, I dipped my brush into my tea. Yeah, it's so <laughs> easy to do, isn't it? Yeah, never actually drunk it, though. But another thing as well is, obviously, this is all safety stuff at the moment, just avoid eating while you're painting picking at chocolates with paint cover fingers is not good for you at all <laughs> and another habit I know that so many artists get into is holding their paint brushes in their mouth and that is a big no-no and actually when I did that painting workshop recently I noticed a tutor was doing exactly that using oil paints as well um so but you you'd be just you know surprised at just how much paint you could ingest over time by doing this so if you do find yourself getting into the habit then you really need to get out of it yeah I mean I remember <laughs> this is terrible um a graphics job years and years ago when I worked for a company and I remember I must have just had my lunch or something and obviously it got a bit of chocolate <laughs> melted on my hand that I didn't know about cut up a um had to do a mock-up for someone got to the end of like Oh my God, the thing's got chocolate smeared all over it. So, so don't do it when you're doing design either. <laughs> no. So uh, another thing to consider is how you're sitting, your posture when you're painting, so you don't give yourself a bad back. And I know I, I really hurt my back. when. Do you remember I went drew something outside recently? I did. I drew in the next village. Oh, yes, yes, when you sat on your fishing tackle box. Yeah, so obviously it's much harder if you're outside, you know, sitting in a good position. So I was sitting on a fishing tackle box. Inside, you obviously, if you're standing, you need to make sure you're standing up fairly straight, you're not hunched over, or you need to take regular breaks or get some sort of back support idea. Yeah, there's a pad, isn't there? Like a gel pad you can buy for people who stand up at easels, I believe. Oh, right, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I've heard about it, and it's just like this pad that it's I suppose it's like a shock absorber not that you do much <laughs> that's gonna shock the body yeah. while you're painting but I think I don't know how it works but it's supposed to be good for your back well I know so. um my partner's company I remember obviously because if you're sitting to draw or paint it's the same as if you're doing an office job essentially isn't it you know you're sitting yeah. there doing something and they have people in who come round and look how you're sitting 
And I remember he was hunched over like a laptop and they said, no, you know, you've got to sit up this way. You need something that's, so you're, whatever you're working with is raised. And obviously that's where like a, a table easel or something we were talking about before becomes useful because you're not then hunched over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So what about some more general art tips? Okay. So the first um, still relates a bit to health, but not just for your own but also for the health of your brushes so a lot of artists use white spirit to clean their brushes and the problem with that is apart from the fact it absolutely stinks it's no good at all for your brushes either I mean brushes are expensive you need to look after them and one way of doing that is to clean them really really thoroughly after every use but don't use white spirit Um, and one really cost-effective way to clean your oil painting brushes is to wipe the excess paint onto a piece of paper or a rag and then dip them into normal vegetable oil and then you massage the paint out of the brush with a rag because actually oil cleans oil so it's really weird isn't it the best way of removing oil is to put oil on it which is really odd but um once you've got the white wine on red wine is it that sort of theory i don't know but i know that people that put hair dye they say if you get hair dye on your skin the best way of getting the dye off is to put dye on and massage it off it's really weird isn't it but yeah but anyway once you've got the worst of the paint off with your vegetable oil then you can clean them off in just warm soapy water or better still you can use what I do which is Murphy's oil soap I could not do without this stuff in my studio Murphy's oil soap is almost entirely natural Um, it's really really effective at cleaning off oil paint and it's so much safer for you and not only that but it conditions your brushes as well so of course this helps your brushes to last much longer than they normally would there's really really no need at all I don't think to use solvents to clean your brushes it's just not necessary and it's really bad for you anyway and it can wreck your brushes over time so yeah I definitely recommend um, Murphy's oil soap is that what it's actually made for no it's um I think it's like a wood cleaner I think oh, right. Never yeah no, it was, it's not, I mean, it's about £13 for a litre bottle, I think. On You can get it on Amazon. Yeah. We could put a link to it on the bottom of our show notes, couldn't yeah. we? Yeah. Um, but you don't need much. You only need a little bit, so it lasts quite a while. Yeah. Did you have another idea as well, a Yellow Pages idea or something? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I heard about this somewhere else. I can't take credit for the idea. can't remember for the life of me where I heard this tip, but... What she does, she keeps this book next to where she cleans her brushes and then before she wipes off her brush, she she wipes it on a page of the book. So she basically scrubs the paint out on on a page um, and then she then dips it in whatever she does, however she cleans her brushes. But I thought that was a really good idea because you can just keep using the book until all the pages are covered and you've it's a way of getting rid of the excess oil without throwing it down the sink because obviously you've got to be careful about what you put down the sink um so it's a way of getting rid of most of the pigment before yeah. you even start cleaning the brush so I thought that was a good idea I haven't I haven't I don't do it but I, I really should try that actually uh, now you mentioned that you know brushes are really expensive so you need to look after them and I'm absolutely amazed I've got some when I was at college and I would say I'm the worst person at looking after brushes. <laughs> but, you know, obviously if you're using watercolors or stuff that I would tend to do more, it's not it's not so crucial. Um, but if if the worst happens and you do leave your paint in your brush, uh, especially with acrylics or oils, and what can you do? 
Well, again, this is where Murphy's oil soap is just magic. There was a time when I thought that if I'd accidentally forgotten to wash my brushes and the paint had dried on, that all I could do is throw them away. But if you soak your dried brush in neat Murphy's oil soap for 24 hours, when you take it out, the dried oil paint should come off with a rag quite easily. And I'll tell you what, that has saved me a fortune on brushes. But you mustn't soak them obviously in a jar with the bristles resting on the bottom because that will just ruin the shape of your brush. So you need to support them so that the bristles are fully immersed without touching the bottom. And I just use a clothes peg to kind of grip the, the handle at the top of the jar. That's clever. Yeah, so um, that's one way of doing it. Or you could just lay them down, in, but then you're having to use a lot more of the, so the soap to do that. But um, now I've heard, I can't, I can't verify this at all because I don't use acrylics, but I've heard that it also works for acrylics. I don't know if, how true that is. I've not tried it, but, you know, it's worth a try. It's better than throwing a brush away, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, watercolours, it's not such much of an issue, is it? Because no. if that dries on it, you can still wash that off with water. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know if should you use soap on watercolors as brushes as well. No, you can you can get any. You go to art stores, you can get special soap, can't you? Oh, too? can you? Um, but you don't really need to with watercolors. If you rinse them out after every use, just need a bit of warm water. Yeah. Um, also, you mentioned before, don't leave your brushes, you know, going down with the bristles sort of touching the bottom of a jar. And I think I mentioned this before. Did I tell you about that um, watercolor tutor that would give you a pile of sweets? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she would remove one every time and I always left my brushes with the bristles down I think it's something isn't it it's almost like a it's a habit isn't it that probably once you've cracked it and don't do it you're all right but it's just getting out of that habit yeah absolutely and and the thing is watercolor brushes as well are, are far more delicate in that way yeah definitely but even just quickly even when you're drying your brushes but a lot of people dry them with the bristles sort of facing upwards. They put them in a jar. But actually, that just means that the water's sitting in the base of the bristles for longer. So the best, what I do, um, sorry to butt in, I've just thought about this, but I have, a, you know, those dish sponges, you know, yeah. the, the sponges. Yeah. I have a, a dry dish sponge, which I just lay on the draining board. And then when I wash my brushes, I lay all of the brushes down with the um, bristles kind of laying over the sponge and that sort of helps to get them drier quicker. But otherwise, it's just sort of the water's just sitting there in, in that. I have thought of that, yeah. yeah. I suppose you can shape it a bit more then, can't you, while it's still yeah. wet. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know this one. This was a tip that sort of you gave me, which is to observe your watercolour brushes, you can reshape it with a little gum Arabic. That's and right. I, I mean, I've never used it. What is is gum arabic? Is it a liquid or what is it? Yeah, it's um, it's basically the equivalent of um, an oil painting medium. So, but it's for watercolorists. So basically, it makes it it takes longer for the watercolor to dry, and it will make the colors more vibrant and transparent, and it'll increase the gloss of the dried painting. So you can you actually add it to your water for when you're painting? Because you're talking about this vibrance. Mm, I, I haven't used it for so long. You just literally put a little drop into your puddle of paint. Right. You know where you stretch paper, which we'll talk yeah. about later, but um, you can use sort of gummed tape, can't yes. you? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of those gum tapes, it is just gum Arab Arabic on the tape. So what I used to do... <laughs> You're going to get that thing with Arabic and Arabic. Yeah, Arabic. Yeah. <laughs> what I used to do is I just used to wet a bit of that gum tape, run my brush along it, the sticky part, and then yeah. just reshape it with my fingers um, to a point, 
and and basically when you buy a watercolor brush I believe that when you've got that really hard point that they come with I believe that is just gum arabic holding them like that and then you're basically it's it's dissolves in water so as soon as you put them in water it goes away very clever yeah I really like, and I don't know if you've used these, you know, these the brushes that have a little water reservoir in them. And I only found them recently. They're brilliant. Have you got some? Yeah, I've got, I've got some. Hardly ever use them, but. Oh, fantastic little things. Yeah, for sketching, especially in doing quick stuff, because basically you just fill it with a bit of water. And obviously if you're going outside somewhere and, and sketching where you want, don't want to take too much stuff, you don't then need a pot of water with you. Um, I've used it for doing my 10-minute sketches. And it's really good if you're using brush pens, watercolour pencils, that sort of thing. All I do is you just have to squeeze it slightly to get it going. And then you use it. But then just to clean it off a little bit between the colours, I'll just like squirt a little bit more water and then just wipe it on my hand or wipe it on a tissue or something like that to get sort of fresh water coming out again. They're great. Yeah, when, uh, when I used to sketch occasionally outside, um, I used to use like a, a water-soluble ink pen. Oh, yeah. Um, so they would come out just like a normal sketch, but then I used to carry one of those around and then you can just add a bit of water just to add a bit of tone so it sort of makes the ink bleed. Yeah. Um, so that was a really nice effect. So they are quite handy. The only thing I don't like about them is they're quite – the brushes are, are like nylon, aren't they? Sort of plasticky. I think that's what I – I don't like but then maybe you can get better ones than I've got yeah well I've had a few different ones I got I got some for like Christmas and then I had some that went with the set and and the ones I got for Christmas ones I chose actually the bristles just fall out they're absolutely useless mm. but then the ones that go sat you know the set they're they're great I mean probably not if you were doing you know the source obviously not for oils but if you were doing a probably a, a big painting it probably wouldn't be any good for a little scratch sketch they're great Oh, for sketching, I think they're perfect, yeah. aren't they? Speaking of brushes, I know that you use brush pens a lot, and I don't mean those type we're talking about now, but the ones with the sort of a bit like felt pens, but with kind of brush on the end. I've got one by Pental, which I think you've got actually, yeah. and I really do like it, but I hardly ever use it. But what is it about them that you like so much? Because you use them a lot. Yeah, well, I've got two different sorts of brush pens i've got the pentel one that you just mentioned and i've got water soluble ones so the pentel one is it, it kind of looks like a felt tip pen doesn't it but then huh. there's like a, a really soft brush end on it and it's got waterproof ink in it that i i love because then you can put washies over the top of it but when i first got it and i tried it i thought i hate this it's really odd because because you can't control it well you can control it but obviously it makes you paint a lot more loosely and then when I started to sort of experiment more, I realized that that's actually something quite nice because it means you can't be too detailed. You have to be loose, that sort of thing. So I really like that. It gives you a really interesting line because you can get sort of really thin and really thick. It's, it's so nice. But then I, I said the watercolor brush pens I use, they're also, they let you really quickly lay down color like you're using a marker. But then you can just use one of those water reservoir pens like I was talking about before. And it gives a much punchier colour than, say, a watercolour pencil. But it's still great for doing things really quickly. I use those for 10-minute sketches. But they'd be great for sketching outside if you want a bit more punch to, to your drawing. Yeah, and you wrote a blog post on that, didn't you? I think you did a demo and, and you also mentioned the, the um, brand you used as well, didn't you? Yeah, and the brand I used... Um, I have no idea if these are an amazing brand or anything, but they were Stationary Island. I don't know about the water, um, not water, it's the light fastness, 
um, because I'm just using sketching and sketchbook, so I'm not overly concerned. Um, there are brands, I believe Windsor and Newton do a watercolor marker that are a lot more light resistant, so you could check those out as well. Um, but yeah, I love those. Uh, really fun to use, and I, I use them on a mixed media, sort of Canson mixed media paper. They work, work really well. So yeah, definitely that. Um, I suppose then if you want to talk about what to use if you're using wet media, one thing that Canson mixed media paper is great. And if you buy a really heavyweight paper and you're working fairly small, you probably don't need to sketch it. I think, I think, I don't know about you, I think you can get away with it for small stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But if you are going to be working a little bit larger or you've got a much lighter weight paper, you probably want to stretch it. Um, now, I remember, I don't, who taught, who taught you how to stretch paper? I just, I think I found it on YouTube. Really? Yeah. Because I remember pre-internet when I was about 14, <laughs> I remember my friend's dad teaching me how to stretch paper because he, he was an artist, an amateur artist. Yeah. And I remember I was around his house and we were floating paper in the bath. <laughs> were you in it at the time <laughs> no so um obviously you can either you can either put your watercolor paper in if you're doing a few pieces at once which is why we had it in the bath you can float it in the bath or if you're just doing you know one one or two small pieces just put them in a sink so you you put your paper flat on a you know a load of water uh, probably turn it over make sure it's really thoroughly covered and then you need a thick board and I I, I think I, I used a bit of like thick MDF or plywood but it needs to be reasonably thick so it's not going to bow with the water and then you just lay it flat make sure there's no excess water on there get some gummed tape like you were talking about before and you just stick down that gum tape so to hold down all the edges of the paper and then yeah or it- you can use um drawing pins as well because sometimes that gum tape when it can't when you pull it off if you leave it on a bit too long it can kind of rip the surface of the paper well I'd always cut it off so I'd work within I see yeah so it didn't really matter but yeah. but the drawing pins wouldn't you then you'd have to put a lot of drawing pins on wouldn't you no just one in each corner really mm, mm. Right. well I, that's what I used to do um never used to have any well I, I suppose it just depends on the size of the sheet of paper though doesn't it as well yeah I mean what size were you working on for that I wasn't I wasn't working big Probably yeah. a, I don't know, a four, a three maximum. Yeah. All right. Well, I've never tried that, but I know now you can actually, I've seen them on Amazon, you can actually get things for stretching. So like a, a stretching frame almost. I thought that sounded quite good. Uh, but you can get, you see, you can get watercolour paper, can't you, with a really pretty sort of deckled edge, which is when I'd want to use the, the pins because obviously you want to keep that. You don't want to cut them off. I wouldn't worry about a frilly edge. <laughs> I've got the most gorgeous um, watercolours. Um, actually, one of them's behind me, Tracy Fletcher King, and it's one of her perfume bottles. And um, when it arrived in the post and I opened it up, it's got the actual paper has got a really gorgeous sort of deckled edge. Yeah. So I didn't I want I didn't want to mount over that edge, so I sort of got them to mount the paper over the background and it's lovely it's really really lovely but it is small so I don't know if she would have had to stretch that paper or not she does work very this particular painting behind me is very sort of washy and watery I imagine she must have had to 
stretch it. Oh, I should. We should really say, shouldn't we? Why you stretch paper? Because there might be some people listening to this thinking, "What are they talking about?" Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's just so uh, it doesn't buckle. Because when you work on watercolor paper, it tends to buckle a bit, doesn't it, and crinkle. Well, yeah. If, if you pin it down like that, it might sort of um, come up a little bit as you paint on it, um, but then it's going to go flat again when it dries. Yeah. I suppose it depends as well, though, on the weight of the paper as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really like, you can get now uh, watercolour boards. I don't know if you've ever used these. No. You, it's it's really hard to get hold of them. There was, you know the cheap little shop, The Works? Yeah. They were doing some little A5 ones I bought a pack of. And so all it is is like, it's like you can get by these sort of canvas boards for acrylics where they're, you know, quite a thick, almost like a mount board sort of weight. But just the same thing with a watercolour board. So great thing because you don't have to sketch, uh, stretch them. But obviously it's a lot more expensive than buying paper. Um, I think you can also get some, I think it is Reeves. So they're not high quality art brands. Um, but I think Daly may do one as well. But they're pre-done well, pre because they're thick boards. So you can just work straight away without any problem. No, um, I've never heard of those. No, you can also get, um, if you've, seen, you've seen those gummed watercolour pads as well, haven't you? Yeah. So, so they, they're almost like you don't need to stretch them so much because they're attached to all the edges. Well, you don't have to soak them at all, I don't think, do you? But what I used to do with those, I used to brush, just brush them with water and let okay. it dry. Yeah. So just use a brush and like, literally use plain water, um, wet it and then leave it. But really with those, like you say, you don't really need, they don't buckle much, do they? Cause no, they're, yeah. they're, they're much better. I mean, I think they're quite good if you want to sketch and stuff. Although I yeah. never got on so well with them as I did with, say, a board or a separate piece. I don't know about you. No, I haven't used watercolours now for so long, and I've got loads of them, and it's one thing I've never got rid of because I did have a clear out of my studio, and I thought, why have I got all these pastels? Why have I got all this stuff? Because I don't need it. I don't use it. Yeah. But I've never got rid of my watercolours because I do really still love them, and one day I will get around to doing them again I think just as a just as a kind of playful thing alongside my oils really yeah but um I'm well, you can do that in your extra hour in the morning <laughs> no I've got <laughs> plans I've got plans for that extra hour uh and one thing we just want to sort of on a different sort of subject going back a bit to oil painting is the problem with dust in studios and I know you have a problem with with oil painting especially oils and acrylics obviously if you get dust in the air they stick to your painting and mess it up so how can you kind of deal with that then? Well, uh, last week, obviously, we spoke about having a hard floor <laughs> is a really good choice. Yeah, you can't always you can't always um, do anything about that, can you? Though absolutely no, you can't. You're right. Um, and but you can sort of um, it's like clothes you wear. I wouldn't go anywhere near a painting with a woolly jumper on, for for example, because there's too many loose fibres. So wearing an apron or is a really good idea but I use a big cotton kind of man shirt a really big man shirt <laughs> so that can prevent dust from getting on your paintings but I only ever use lint-free cloths as well in fact I use those lint-free paper towels you can get it looks like a giant toilet roll oh nice um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember Paul my husband he came home from work one day and he just said I've got this for you <laughs> it's this ginormous toilet roll <laughs> And I took a photo of it. I put it on Facebook saying most most wives get flowers. I get a giant toilet roll. But he knows me so well because I was thrilled to pieces. <laughs> but um, another thing I really hate, and it's awful for getting dust on a painting, 
is uh, spray on varnish. I know you probably don't use it, and I don't varnish my paintings much now, if at all. Um, but when I used to use it, if you use the spray stuff, I'm sure there'll be people listening that do, it sort of captures all of the dust particles from the air en route to the painting, which is an absolute nightmare because you can have an absolutely pristine surface then you spray on this varnish and then you see all these little bits and pieces all stuck to the surface of the painting. So if I use varnish, I only ever use the brush on kind now and I always make sure that my brush is really thoroughly clean and dust free before I even start because dust loves varnish. But as I say, I don't, I don't really varnish paintings hardly ever now anyway. Now you can always make a dust screen as well and they're quite easy to make. If you've got an old stretched canvas that you're not going to use um, or an old painting you're not happy with, then take the canvas away from the frame and then replace it with a piece of net from an old net curtain like with a staple gun or something. And this way you can lay your painting down and then you sit the frame over the top. The net is breathable so your painting can still dry but it'll prevent any dust from landing on your painting. That's a good idea. Hmm. I was going to ask, when you were talking about clothes, do you yeah. wear a fetching hairnet? <laughs> or, or a stewardess's hat, just to keep your <laughs> hair out of the way? Well, my hair reaches all the way down to my waist now, so if I did get a hair fall on onto the painting, it would be easily removable. But if I had a head covered in dust, <laughs> yeah, I would, but, but I don't. <laughs> Um, so no 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 hairnet required no. I just wear it up and <laughs> um, if you don't have a dust screen like you were talking about before you can just tilt your painting to face the wall it's obviously then why it's it's sitting and drying it's not collecting dust as much as it would be otherwise um, you can also dust off your palette and your brushes before you start mixing your paint so you don't get everything mixed in there as well and I know I've been waiting to hear this one, Sandra. You've got some random tip, and I kind of know part of it, but not all of it. So go on, tell us. Well, tell, tell everyone what happened and how you know a little bit. Oh, was was this when we were recording our course? No, no. Um, I, I think I, found I, out. I think we were exchanging a few notes on the pod on an old podcast episode, um, and I'd already sort of started thinking about the new one. And I just put this random word. <laughs> yes, I do remember. <laughs> at the top. And you were, I, I don't know what you said to me now, but what on earth is that all about? Yeah. <laughs> and the words were sanitary towels. Yes, I remember. So obviously you can imagine Tara's just looking through the podcast and at the top in red it says sanitary towels. And it was basically my reminder to put something on these notes that we're using now so yeah why would I use sanitary towels in a uh, in a studio environment well basically I work in layers right so when I'm doing my old paintings I, I work in layers and every time I start a new layer of painting I always use a, a shaving brush to dust off the surface um, before I add a new layer but sometimes what's there a, are what's a shaving brush before you go you on? know those well a shaving brush like you know like the old-fashioned type of brushes that men use to make their faces all foamy. They're like little oh, short, yes. stubby yeah. brushes. Um, oh, I thought it was actually a shaving brush properly for art shaving brush, no? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just like your whole, whole bathroom cabinet in the studio, don't you? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I've never had to shave a painting girl. <laughs> 
No, um, you 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 know the the ones that the men kind of yeah. dip into this old fashioned sort of My soap dad and does they, it, yeah, yeah. Well, Paul does actually. He loves his old fashioned shaving kit, and he he makes his face all foamy with his shaving brush. Well, I've got one in my studio, and they are so good. They are really, really, really good to um, get dust off of a, the surface of a painting. And I will point out as well that they also are great for blending. By the way, blending large areas of paint. <laughs> Same between your legs. <laughs> a yeti <laughs> but sometimes the, just using a shaving brush to dust off the surface um is not enough for the more stubborn fibers that i want to get off i'm not talking about ones that have embedded themselves right into the paint because that's you can't get those out once they're there they're there but the ones that you know can come off but they're just not coming off with a brush but you need to get them off obviously because they're just going to become more visible as you paint so basically you need to use something that's not going to damage the surface of the painting it's dust free but it has some kind of texture to catch the particles and I learned this tip on the recent workshop I went to so if you rub a sanitary towel gently over the surface of the dry painting obviously it needs to be really dry um it will catch any dust which is slightly more stubborn without damaging the painting itself. And I think it's something to do with the mesh surface. So just check out the ones you're actually buying. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. Some of them have got sort of more cotton surface and others have got like a mesh. Does it leave wings? <laughs> well, you, I was thinking that the other day. They might be handy to stick them around your hand like a glove. <laughs> I don't know. But um, I tried it. And it actually really does work. It catches those little stubborn bits. So if you don't have any sanitary towels in your studio, then you might want to get some. <laughs> Shall we go on to some more normal people tips now? <laughs> so we sort of talk about a bit about palettes. And I love just those tear-off palettes for acrylics where there's no washing up, and they're, but they're not very environmentally friendly. And also what they don't do is... If you, if you like to take your time over painting and you want to keep your paints wet, they don't keep your paints wet. So what you could use is a stay wet palette. Now, I've not personally used one, basically because I do everything too quickly. But when I went to the last workshop I was at, a lot of people were using them. And what they, they are is they're a palette and they've got a, a sort of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, a bit of paper at the bottom that you can soak in water. I think it's a bit like blotting paper, that sort of thing. And then there's a membrane over the top of that. And then you put your paints on top. So as your paints start drying out, they pull the water from the bottom layer up into them, which keeps them wetter. Um, you can actually make one yourself. And I know there's loads of videos on YouTube that show you how to make one. I haven't tried it. Um, but also, you can just simply spray your palette with a spray bottle of water just to keep it wet a bit longer. Yeah, that's a good idea. I used to do that when I used, used acrylics. I had one of those palettes as well. They are good. Um, speaking of acrylics... Do you want to hear another random way (laughs) of keeping them wet for longer? (laughs) Yeah, go on. This is something from the bathroom again, is it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, not my bathroom. (laughs) But but, um, I learned this tip from a guy called John Myatt. Have you ever heard of John Myatt? I'm sure there'll be listeners that have. He is the guy who went to prison for faking art, art masters. And, oh, and right. I think a lot of his um, paintings actually got into all of these amazing London art galleries and were passed as authentic when they weren't. They were wow. just fakes. He did his time and he spent 
ever since teaching people how to paint and now he does um what he calls uh genuine fakes so he always signs them genuine fakes and he's an absolutely brilliant artist so if you look him up on youtube he did a program he made a program called mastering the art i think he did another one called brush a brush with art as well but they're really good um and i really wish they'd repeat them because he there was something about him it was just really good to watch but anyway when he was talking about his fakes that he was making, he was some of these paintings that got into the um, all of these uh, amazing art galleries. He just used emulsion. Can you believe that? Oh, blimey! Yeah, How like what? Do they not test that? I, you tell me. But yeah. you know, I mean, he he says himself he has no idea how many of his paintings are still floating around um but yeah so you never know really what you're looking at but yeah just just basically emulsion paint but anyway he obviously doesn't use that now he uses uh, acrylics a lot of the time and his tip was to keep your acrylics wet for longer he uses ky jelly (laughs) and it's really cost effective and it's like a slow drying medium for acrylics so um and it also increases the transparency as well yeah, and, and if you think about how much it costs to go out and buy a tube of slow-drying medium for your... <laughs> what you can say how much it costs to go and buy KY jelly. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but it basically, it's just a water, a water-based, isn't it? It's like, you know, I mean, I know that they use it when they do things like scans. You know, they rub a... I mean, oh, when, yes. I, yeah, when I was pregnant and things, they yeah. rub jelly all over you. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, but it's that stuff, and it's basically a saline jelly, and there's nothing really in it that can be detrimental to the paint itself it's just basically water-based mainly water so you go out and buy these really expensive uh slow drying mediums well i bet they are just those then rebranded could be i don't know i haven't looked into that but yeah he used it and i'll tell you what he's obviously lasted a long long time because you know they went through all of these art galleries and it was years before they realized was that acrylic did you say or was that um acrylics acrylics yeah and he even used it when he was using um emulsion for his you know the wall paint emulsion (laughs) to make these fakes he even used it in those because you get that stuff called gel retarder don't you yeah and that's expensive all of these (laughs) things are expensive i bet it is the same yeah. So so basically on your next shopping list you need to add KY jelly <laughs> and sanitary towels and then you need to send your husbands to the shops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd love that. Um probably get excited. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, I better cut that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you better. Um, let's let's keep this clean. Let's go on yeah. to palettes. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, some uh, watercolour pla- palettes um, they're made of plastic and the problem with that is that the paint can sometimes bead up when you're mixing it have you ever tried have you ever had that problem not really no oh <laughs> <laughs> well, you know a lot of the plastic palettes you buy yeah um, even there's one I think I had one and I think it was a Jonathan Pike or something it's really really big mixing space in the middle really good palette and little space to mix to put all your colours in around yeah. the edge but when you know when you go to mix your paints it would just literally bead up into tiny little beads which i thought was a real problem like bubbles do you mean yeah like yeah yeah, exactly that so you want to get a lovely big puddle of paint but it just sort of somehow doesn't 
turn out like that. It just turns out into these little beads, which is a bit of a, a nightmare when you're trying to work out what colour you've got. So one way to prevent this from happening is to very gently rub over the surface with flower paper or glass paper, which is basically the finest sandpaper you can get. And only gently, and that will solve the problem. It'll just take that very surface layer of whatever they treat it with in the factory um, and then, yeah, that, that gets rid of that problem. What about you? Have you got any tips on palettes? Um, well, if you don't have a proper palette, you could just use a white tile or a plate. And I've also used a, uh, a white ice cube tray in the past because they've got nice, really nice big wells, whereas some of the watercolour ones, I'd find that they're quite shallow and you can't actually mix much paint in them. So I've used that. Um, what about foils? What palettes foils? Yeah, um, remind me as well. I'll tell you something about ice cube palettes oh, that's just oh you come... might as well say it now well i'll say it now then yeah, yeah. I, well, another good way of using an ice cube palette especially the ones with the lids you know an ice cube tray you know you can get the ones where you plop the lid over the top yeah. so you've mixed your colors but you've got a load left over you can put them in the ice cube trays and put them in the freezer and that keeps those colors wet for a long long time can you good. use them literally can you just take it out of the freezer and use it straight away or have you got to let it warm up no i can use well uh from, from an ice cube tray it's fine I will talk about the other way in a minute and I'll explain the problems, but you were talking about the palettes, weren't you? Yeah, I abs I hate those big wooden palettes with a thumb hole. Um, when I first started painting, I thought I really should get one of those because they look really arty, <laughs> but they just feel so clumsy to handle. And I just don't like mixing my colours on that sort of dark brown colour anyway. I just don't like it. And each to their own. There's a lot of people that do, but my own personal preference is a really smooth glass surface and I had my palette made at a local glaziers um uh, so it's made with toughened glass with a polished edge and I asked for the underside to be sp sprayed a neutral grey colour and it's absolutely perfect for me. And what I love most about it is the fact that it cleans so easily with just a baby wipe. So even if I accidentally forget to clean it, um, any dry paint comes off really easily with a flat blade. So you just sort of run it along the surface and it all comes off. Um, you could always use just a piece of glass on top of a table and lay a piece of toned card underneath but obviously there might be safety issues with that depending on the type of glass you use so you really do need to be careful about that it might not be ideal I also know some artists that have got a glass top table and they use that they don't bother with the palette at all they've just got this massive area which is fantastic um, but whatever type of palette you choose I would recommend choosing one in a mid-tone neutral grey colour for oils or acrylics this really helps you to mix the right tones on the palette when you're working with them so did you know you just stuck baby wipes in there so we've now have baby wipes <laughs> shaving brush uh, condoms at all <laughs> no <laughs> no okay no. no. jelly not <laughs> um, i'm gonna have to find a use for them now <laughs> I'll, I'll get uh, back to you on that there must okay. be <laughs> So we've spoken about keeping acrylics wet for longer and you've also mentioned about putting oils to keep them sort of wetter for longer by putting them in the freezer. Are there any other ways you can keep them wet? Yeah, I mean, we can waste so much paint because once we've squeezed it out of the tube, we just, we can't put it back in and it's so frustrating um, because they're expensive at the end of the day, but there are ways to keep them from drying out. So when I used to paint with Rosa Branson, um, what she used to do, she used to transfer her leftover paints onto a saucer. And then what she would do, she'd fill up uh, a washing up bowl with water and then put the saucer 
into the water with a jar on the top. So basically it was weighed down and all the oil paints were around the edge. So because the paint is oil based, it won't the water won't mix with it, but no air can get to it either. So it does keep it wet for well, if she says it indefinitely, I don't know because I've not tried it for very long. The only problem I found when I tried this method is that when you do want to use it, you have to wait until the water completely evaporates from the paint because if you try and mix the paint when and the water gets in it, it kind of reminds me a bit like putting water into melted chocolate. It kind of all seizes up. It's just weird. I don't like it. So you have to really just get that out way in advance, you know, an hour or so in advance. Yeah. And yeah, I, I actually put my, as I mentioned before, I put my leftover paint in the freezer. Um, they stay wet that way for days. The only thing I would say is that when I do that, I take my whole palette in basically. I put like a Tupperware lid over the top of the palette where my paints are, wrap it in cling film, throw it in the freezer and that's great. And then when I need it next time, I take it out of the freezer, unwrap everything. But you know, you were talking about the water um, from the freezer. It obviously when your um palette comes out of the freezer it's freezing cold yeah. and it kind of has a layer of ice on it almost and then that kind of melts and it is a bit watery so again you have to dry off around the paints and let it warm up before you start using it but it does mean it stays wet for, for a much a longer time i was just thinking about what you said about rosa's suggestion about mm. so she does she takes it off her palette and puts it on the saucer she yeah she scra- she scrapes it off of her palette and sticks it on a saucer and then dunks the saucer underneath she Couldn't just puts put, all the different colors around the edge couldn't you put it in say, say like a sieve or you know like a one of those netted things because then at least as soon as you took it out all the water would run off anyway wouldn't it <laughs> I don't, how would you get it out of a sieve you well, have no, to kind of mash it through the holes because no, you could just scoop it off can't you well I it's, it's worth a try <laughs> it's worth a try I suppose I just put my saucer upside down onto um a piece of kitchen roll that's what I yeah. used to do when I did it that way and it kind of the, oh, I think the you should tissue. try the sieve yeah yeah I think as well, we were going to talk about the benefits of collecting packing materials as well. So I'll oh, quickly yeah, go I've on to that in. now. Sorry, go on. No, that's all right. <clears throat> so whenever I get a parcel from Amazon or anyone else, I always look out for handy packaging that I could use uh, myself for when I post paintings out. So for example, sometimes they contain those air-filled pouches. You know what I'm talking about, yeah, don't you? Yeah. And also those little gel um, sachets that think they like got little gel beads in them i think they collect moisture yeah have you seen those in some packaging yeah well when you're posting a painting abroad or something like that obviously the weight is a consideration so those airbags are really good for that because you you're cushioning around everything without being so heavy and also those little gel beads because obviously when your painting's in the bottom of an aeroplane and you've got all the different temperatures and things i think they're quite handy if you collect all those little bits and pieces when you go to post a painting you've got a box full of these things that you can put in with it to help protect your painting yeah aren't those little beads aren't they for moisture aren't they to keep it take the moisture yeah things? yeah exactly so yeah. i think when you're in a i think in the cargo area of a plane i always worry about paintings and the difference in temperatures and things like that so i put a oh, handful of those in yeah. yeah um and i suppose the most obvious thing to collect is obviously any boxes that your canvases come in so if you have them delivered like i do don't just toss the box away because obviously when your painting sells you've then got exactly the right size box to send it in yeah good idea 
Um, also, just a really little thing is that when you're using food jars, like jam jars, stuff like that, keep hold of those because they're really useful for loads of things around around a studio or just, you know, for art around the home. So like we mentioned before, you can get your pens and pencils in it. You can use them for holding your brushes, for keeping mediums in, for keeping water in, loads of different things. I will just talk about now, we were talking about earlier, weren't we, when I didn't really know where to put this bit in. I, it was a, a tip that I only thought of this morning, um, so I haven't added it to my notes, but I'll talk about it now because I'm going to forget. Um, oil painters, again, um, you'll come across a time when you're waiting for your painting to dry and you'll notice that some of your areas of painting have gone really, really dull and some of them have remained really, really glossy. And this is really annoying. And the first thing you're going to want to do is varnish it because you'll think that that will make everything okay. And in fact, it doesn't. All it does is means the shiniest parts of the painting will be really, really shiny and the dullest parts of your paintings will be a little bit shinier. Um, so you'll still get that, in, you know, inconsistent over the painting so don't even bother trying with the varnish um, and the way you deal with this is you do something that's called oiling out um, and you can do this between each layer of painting as well and I use 50% um, Gamsol with 50% Galkid and basically a Galkid is a medium a paint medium Gamsol is a solvent so I use 50% of each mix it together and then all you do is you just brush it gently over your painting leave it for a couple of minutes and then wipe it off with lint-free cloth and you'll see that your painting has is, is become consistently um, glossy again and you haven't got those sunken areas. And, uh, yeah, you won't feel the need at all to, to varnish too soon. Okay, and what are you going to talk about <clears throat> the benefit of having a clean studio and clean hands? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know how I love being clean. <laughs> you aren't you? I, I am slightly, I think. Um, as I said in our last episode, it's always nice to have a clean studio. But as well as that, I, I have to have clean hands too. Oils actually make my hands sting a little bit after a while. I've got quite sensitive skin and they're really, really messy. And I'm such a messy painter. So I always keep a big packet of baby wipes um, <laughs> to add to the collection <laughs> on my table. Um, they're really just handy to wipe your hands with throughout the painting process. But I use them, as I said before, to clean off my palette too. You don't wear gloves or anything when you're painting? No, I can't. I don't know why. I just can't. No. That's one of the things I hated, you know, when I painted with acrylics for a little bit, is that I just absolutely hate getting my hands covered in paint. I'm a really messy person, but, oh, I do not like that. Same with charcoal. I, I love drawing with charcoal but I hate drawing with charcoal because you're covered in black yeah. your hands are filthy I feel like a chimney sweep after I've finished with charcoal I love the effect of it but I can't I don't bother with it for that reason really I mean you also say that charcoal's an issue isn't it if you're painting with oils yeah, yeah I wouldn't if, if I'm blowing sort of charcoal particles around my studio that's no good not when I've got oil paintings drying so I don't use it anyway no um, I know you've talked before about a shadow box, or you've told me, I don't know if you've told everybody about it, a shadow box that you use when you're setting up your paintings. So what is a shadow box and what do you do with it? Okay, so a shadow box is essentially, it's just an open fronted box with a window cut into both sides and at the top. So the windows are covered with a light diffusing fabric, such as a white cotton pillowcase or something like that. And then you can use a piece of card as your backdrop. And the purpose of the box is you can set up um, your still life inside. And then what you can do is you can cover up the windows where you don't want the light to come in and you can shine a light through the ones that you do. 
So it just gives you much more control over the lighting and it means that the light stays um, where you want it to stay or the shadows stay where you want them to stay, which is great when you're painting from life, obviously. You can actually buy shadow boxes ready-made, but they're really, really easy to make. And again, there are loads of um, videos on YouTube and how to do it. My dad actually made mine for me and he made it out of foam board. Without those shadow boxes, it'd be much harder, much harder to do because the light's just all over the place. I actually think I've got something similar, but for photography, and it might be the ones you're talking about. Um, I've got this, it, it's almost like, you know, you get those tents that pop up, those little yeah. like kids play tents, yeah. like that, but a lot smaller. Uh, and you take it out of thing, it pops up. And then I got it basically for taking little photos for clients for, you know, say they wanted a product shot done quickly. Uh, so you put your product in there, like you say, you can shine a light from any direction because it's all diffused. And yeah, and it just gives you a, there's no reflections coming in from different directions as well. Sounds like the same sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll, the one I've got is painted black inside. So it pretty much shuts out the light until oh, right. you want it in there. Yeah. So I think you the one you've got is probably white, isn't it? I can't think what it is, actually. I haven't opened it for a while. Yeah, no, that I mean, either it, that is basically the same principle. The thing with the one that I've got is because it's black inside, it the light I shine in, yeah, it, it's not sort of bouncing in from everywhere else as well. Yeah. Um, and I tend to use a, a cool light in one window and a warm light in another and then cover the third up. Yeah. And it just gives it really interesting. It makes the light a lot more interesting. Like you say, you've got more control. Yeah, so something I really like is a light box. Have you got a light box? No, I don't even really know what a light box is. Oh, all it is is you used to get those, I don't know if you remember, real big chunky light boxes. So... If you can imagine something that's like 15 centimetres high and then, you know, a, I don't know, A2 sort of size. Yeah. Uh, so quite big and it just used to have a, a probably a fluorescent bulb or something inside it and then a kind of diffused top. So what you're basically using it for is tracing things. So say you did a sketch, uh, then you could place another piece of paper over the top and refine that sketch a bit more. Or you could place a piece of watercolour paper on as long as it's not too thick, because that light was so strong, you'd actually be able to see through to the drawing. But now you can get ones that are really cheap. They're about a tenner. I bought one recently. They're really thin as well. They're literally like two bits of, you know, perspex. And inside it's got those, you know, those little LED lights that you get? Yeah. So they're cheap. And you just do what I just said before. So you, you can do a little sketch and then maybe transfer it to your watercolour paper. Just by shining that through, it just makes it much easier to trace off. Really, really useful. So now you've got, you know, you've got your subject ready to paint. You want to get started. And one of the ways I really like working is with a timer. Now, that doesn't mean you have to work at full speed, although I really do like working at full speed. Um, but you can spend and allotted time working on something. So you could just set a timer for whatever time you got, really. So you could set it for 15 minutes and have a little break or half an hour and have a break. And it just means that you've got that very focused time to work on whatever you're doing. And you can get like apps that will do this. And most phones will have a simple countdown timer, which is what I've used. Um, and if you do a search for either interval timer or hit timer apps, you'll find options that let you both... Uh, do a bit of work and then stop for a bit because really they're for doing those exercises where you take a rest in between you know the ones it's the pomodoro technique isn't it well basically i guess but but for exercise yeah yeah uh, yeah i know what you mean but i mean i've actually used 
this as well to because I, you introduced me to the technique yeah well you, and... you you were supposed to study it weren't you for one of our podcasts yeah and, didn't it. Do it. <laughs> and then the day before I was like oh no I've got to find out about the Pomodoro yeah. technique and then I wished I'd sort of known about it before because maybe if I'd have used it I would have remembered to do it I'm a bit better <laughs> but I think the great thing about the Pomodoro technique is that you all the time you know you've got a five-minute break coming up, if you suddenly remember that you haven't, I don't know, unloaded the dishwasher or hung the washing out, then you're less likely to stop working because you know you can do it in your break. So it maintains your focus for a bit longer. Yeah. And like you say, there's loads of different apps you can get. The one I use is called uh, Focus Keeper, and that one's really, really good. Um, and you can, like you say, you can adjust the times to suit your own needs too. And what I found with mine I've used it for work um I've used it for painting um and I've used it well basically to get my work done quicker so I can get onto my painting because the more I'm focused at work and I'm absolutely not getting sucked into anything else like social media or whatever else is can happen on a computer um if I can just focus on what I'm doing and I've got a timer that's, I'm almost accountable to this timer, I do get my work done quicker and it it does make my day a more productive one. Does that focus key, because I've got an app on my Mac called Focus, I don't know if it's the same one, and what that does as well, as well as having the time, it also doesn't let me access Facebook. Oh, that's actually a good idea, isn't it? I don't know. No, it's not the same. It's not the same at all. No, this is just for iPhone. And the thing is with my my work um, computer is a PC. It's like a, sorry, Windows PC. It's not a Mac. So I don't suppose there's one for that. I don't know. It could oh, be. I think there is. I bet there is. Yeah. 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 But there are some other useful apps for artists. Um, one I mentioned, I did a little blog post about it a little while ago. It was called Art Pose. And you, you downloaded this, didn't you, after I mentioned it? I did. Yeah, I think it's great. Because it's much better than... Basically, it's a little wooden, well, it's not a wooden mannequin, but it's a better version of a wooden mannequin, although much more real. And so you can get, I think there's like a male version, a female version, like a group version. And you choose a figure, but then you can really alter that figure so you can make it thinner, fatter, give it different sort of hairstyles. And then you can pose it in any sort of pose you want, really. Move all its little hands and fingers and then you can look at it from all different angles. So you can move around the figure, you can light it. So it's brilliant for, say you were drawing a cartoon or a person and you wanted them in certain stance, you can use them for that. It's really, really good. Um, have you used it yet? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked at it and I I thought it was really, really clever. And you know, those those wooden mannequins, the only trouble is you kind of put them in a pose and they just ping back or they just don't quite go and they they also go into the weirdest pose that no human figure could possibly (laughs) do without breaking bones so um yeah this other one I think is when I looked at it I could definitely see that there was um you know it was really well worth downloading if you're wanting to perhaps draw figures from your imagination particularly yeah definitely um there's also procreate which i think you've got on your ipad pro i have yeah yeah and what is good about procreate is it's basically a fully fledged painting program on the on the ipad i don't know if it's on android or not i'm not sure but as well as being able to do all different sort of types of paint so you can make a watercolor effect an oil effect all sorts 
you can actually, it automatically makes a video of whatever you're doing. So great for if you're making a tutorial or if you just want to watch back what you've drawn. Fantastic for that. Um, so we've got a few more apps. So there's an app called Graphic, which creates ve vector graphics, uh, as you would on computer with like something like Adobe Illustrator. Um, all vector graphics are is a graphic that basically you can blow up to any size without it losing quality. So you know it, normally if you've got a photograph and you blow yeah. that up, it'll look, start looking pixelated or blurry. Yeah. Well, if you do that with a vector graphic, you can blow it up to whatever size you like and it'll still look crisp. Oh, so wow. That's, that's quite neat. Um, yes, and then there's another app called Autodesk Sketchbook. That's another really comprehensive drawing app. And I think that's got a, I haven't used it for a little while, but it's got a perspective grid and stuff if you want to do quite techy, technical type drawings. Um, there's a, a really beautifully designed app called Paper App by 53. And that's a digital sketchbook. And literally, that is just, it's just that. It's basically like moleskin, but on an app not that I'm interested in covers but you can have all different covers <laughs> and stuff like that on your on your um sketchbook and also what what you might not know is Adobe has a suite of apps for digital art on a tablet or a phone but you don't have to pay for them they're all free unlike their subscription for their software on the computer most of their apps on the iPad are completely free you do have to sort of sign up by email um, but yeah, use those completely free and they've got all like photo editing, uh, drawing apps, all sorts. Well worth a look. So we've also got some tips that people on social media shared with us, which are, oh, yeah. which are quite good. So we've yep. got Deb Sane and I'm terrible at reading things out. So I apologize. There are two things I think are essential when it comes to creating art. One, never comparing yourself with other artists. Learn from them, yes, but always remember that you are what's unique about your artwork. And two, everybody learns a little differently. So be patient with yourself and figure out ways that suit your particular approaches to learning something new. And then we've got, you've given me this one because it's a hard name, haven't you? <laughs> Tasvirin. Sorry if I've got that wrong. Art is about expression. One should always express themselves through their art. It does not matter what it is. It could be as small as an ant, as big as a UFO. Depends how big the UFO is, doesn't it? It should be directly from your heart and thought. Okay, so I've got Kelly Art and Things. Enjoy the process rather than the finished work and then you'll be kind to yourself when it's one for the learning pile. So try not to expect perfection because when is anything perfect? I've got Cheryl Pond. Oh, hang on a minute, I've got that doesn't include Sandra who is perfect. <laughs> <It's not clear. laughs> Oh, that really that, that I, I wasn't going to read that out. <laughs> oh, I know that That's was so she lovely. Said. She said, "Yeah, she what did say at the end." Perfect. She says that doesn't include Sandra, who is perfect, and we all expect it. I think she's talking about my art, obviously, because I'm certainly not perfect, and my art is not perfect. But it really did make me chuckle. Thank you, but, Kelly. But you make me make my day. I'm still quite <laughs> Oh, you'll have to take that up with Kelly. <laughs> I've also got Cheryl Pond. She says, I carry a small backpack with just a few art supplies. Have it with you always. I like to start a free creative group through Art Association and meet up to get support. We meet weekly at a coffee shop and share and talk. We all need a tribe, right? 
absolutely I, I think that's a That'd lovely so idea nice, wouldn't it? yeah have a, just a creative coffee how yeah. lovely really like that um Dee McKinnon just show up at the page or the canvas well yeah absolutely I mean that's probably the most important thing of all I've got Marcia Furman always have your supplies ready and available that means having a space in your house that you can leave it out always have a sketchbook with you wherever you go even if you might not use it yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about that, haven't we? Having your keep keeping some art stuff out so it's really easy and accessible. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we've now got to read out the answers to our previous question. So our question was, "What is your favourite art book and why?" And you've given me the long one. Thank you very much. So we've got Tracy Fletcher King. I love Colour by Victoria Finlay. Diary of an Art Addict, which is a Peggy Guggenheim book. Reading about art in novels is always great and I have quite a collection. But recently I have a book called The Art of Creative Thinking by Rod Junkings, running on Audible. I loved it so much I listened to it twice and have ordered the hard copy. It's a business book written by an art lecturer, but I found it completely relevant to my work. It's a cracker. I've got a feeling I might read that. And then we've got C. Cardenas 210. Just read The Creative Habit by Twyla Sharp in June. Such an awesome read for understanding how to establish creativity as a habit and discipline. And then we've got Barry Baker, a History of Pictures by David Hockney and Martin Gayford. It's written in a conversation style about the evolving how of art, looking at the methods behind pictures from prehistory to present day. Geoffrey Cameron, sir. I want to say it's unfortunate, but I only have one art book. That is The Legend of Zelda Hyrule Historia. I would love to get some more time. Then we've got Peter Swift-Taylor, not really a book about art, but Charles Keeping's illustrations to the Alfred Noyes poem, The High Women. We've got Drew Bailey, Real Artists Don't Starve by Jeff Goins. A real eye-opener on the importance of art and the people who create it. Very encouraging and inspiring. Um, I have got Radiant Lotus Fine Art, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain by Betty Edwards. Art and Fear by David Bales, but I love and use many more. Well, I've actually just bought The Artist's Way um, after Danny Gregory mentioned it in our interview. And I've started literally reading it last night. And I think it's going to be really good. I'm really excited about that book. Oh, I didn't like it. Oh, did you not? No, I, I heard loads of people rave about it. So I read it, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. I think because... I don't like being told what to do and she's telling you she's telling you to go out and do certain things. <laughs> well, I'll see. I'll I'll update you next time. Yeah. Um I've also got Kate 513940 Austin Cleon Steal Like an Artist. I've also got that book, you know. Yeah, as well. I like that one. Yeah, it's good, yeah. isn't it? Um and Eric Kessel's Failed It. Uh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. When the creativity is flowing, I don't need a book. These both help me with initial inspiration, faith when I'm starting to doubt my inspiration or ability, and just help restore perspective. Then we've got Barbara Burns. How to Draw and Paint Fairies by Linda Ravenscroft is my most favourite of the many still remaining on my shelf. In spite of the fact that I have zero talent for her type of drawing or painting, it is still very inspiring for me to see and to try it. And some of my mushrooms from long ago turned out well. I'm not quite sure what she means by that. <laughs> sure. She's obviously painted some mushrooms, I guess, in a similar style. Maybe? Yeah, I guess. I'm, yeah. I guess so. I've got a couple of books on fairy art too. Have you? And yeah, I don't, I don't paint fairies or anything. I really do love looking through it. Yeah. Um, 
And Maz Hawes, I've just been on a course with Jerry McLaughlin, who has written or co-written rather a book on cold wax medium. It's a bit niche, but it's about an inch thick, large and crammed full of info on process and lots of inspiration too. Have you seen what she's been doing with it? I really like the stuff she's been doing with cold wax. She'd just been no. on the course and, no. and she's thrown pictures because she does abstracts. Yeah. Oh, so looks so nice. You know, real texture and colour. Yeah. Lovely. Anyway, we have a brand new question, don't we? And the question is, what do you listen to while you create? So what do you listen to while you create? Anyway, you can tweet us your answers at Kick Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group, which by the way, if you haven't joined, I highly recommend you do. We'll also put the question up there. And you can also contact us via Instagram, which is also Kicking the Creatives. And don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. We will be back um, in a couple of weeks. Yep. See you next time. Bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. I, I didn't have coffee this morning. Yeah. For the first time, I literally didn't have coffee. Do you know what I had? What? Tea. I had, no, <laughs> no. I had a um, kale. Let me tell you what was in oh my smoothie. My <laughs> I had kale, a bit of lemon juice. I had uh, some grapes, um, two apples, a stick of celery, well, a little oh. bit of celery, oh. um, and a bit of mint and some fresh ginger. Yeah. and with some spirulina and wheatgrass right What's that was spirulina? my breakfast this morning it's like a um a really really green um powdery stuff but it's i think it's something it's made from algae oh, right. and it's supposed to give you like a protein boost <laughs> so i i had that for my breakfast because i thought well if i'm going to be doing the miracle mornings and working on my the health of my brain then I, perhaps i should sort of go back because remember i did that whole thing before yeah. where i I went on this real health thing. I felt really good. I thought I should do that. I'm not going. Don't get me wrong. I've not joined the gym or anything like that. But um, <laughs> nothing drastic. <laughs> no, nothing too drastic. <laughs> I'm trying to gain an hour, not lose one. So um, yeah, I thought oh, I'll have a I'll have a juice every morning for breakfast. Well, I'll tell you what. This whole time when we've been doing this podcast, I hope no one could hear it, but. My stomach has been churning <laughs> and rumbling and really making these weird noises. And um, so that's been going on. And also, where I haven't had my coffee, because I'm used to having a, I always have a cappuccino in the morning and I've always had a double shot. <laughs> and honestly, I've, all I've done this morning is I've had my smoothie and I've meditated <laughs> and I've been up here. My eyes, I can look in a mirror and honestly, they they look like bloodshot where I'm so tired. <laughs> oh, so good. So I hope, yeah, ne- I'll tell you what, I'm not doing that again. Next next time, I'm going to go back to my oh, normal coffee, coffee and my big breakfast.